Welcome everyone to On Podcast, the Microsoft Podcast, where we talk about Microsoft stuff on a podcast. We are back after our U.S. holiday week off, uh, my time uh, for vacation. Uh, I am your host today, Kareem Anderson. I'm joined by... David Allen, glad to be back for you guys. I think we got some good news for you, so sit down and enjoy. We have some good news. I don't know how much fun it's going to be. I, th- I think people are, are lacking the fun from your section, so we're going to have to start spicing it up uh, over the summer. Hopefully, we'll start yeah. getting some rumors about hardware or something, something fun. Uh, we are going to be talking about, uh, in our headline section, uh, Microsoft uh, announcing new uh, Xbox voice reporting features uh, to, you know, offer some feedback, uh, anything that you might have security concerns stuff about, we start putting that in uh, or verbally announcing that kind of stuff. So you don't have to type it in because that is a pain. Uh, ChatGPT experiences decline in traffic as individuals uh, exhibit a waning interest in AI bots. Uh, so we'll see if the Microsoft bet 10 billion on a boon or if this is just kind of a lull because of summer. Uh, Microsoft is also set to launch a portable Windows 365 revolutionizing cloud computing. Um, Windows, people who have gotten the Windows update, the, I guess, cumulative update, KB5028185, maybe experienced some issues. We're going to go over that and maybe potential workaround uh, for those of you who want to keep using that version. Uh, we were also going to be talking about Elon Musk, uh, unfortunately, uh, but he does have something that's in the tech business, in the tech world that is relevant to Microsoft because he's announcing an AI venture. So we'll see how that competes against Bard and Bing Chat and everyone else's AI venture so far. Uh, we'll also be wrapping up headlines talking about Microsoft hackers being able, or I guess Microsoft admitting that Chinese hackers got into uh, breached emails for the US government or government agencies. And then we'll be, uh, you know, ending concluding the podcast with a long discussion about the ongoing saga of Microsoft and the FTC, uh, the CMA, the CTA in the UK as well, and how they've kind of weighed in and how things have changed a lot since the last time we talked to you guys. So uh, with uh, no further ado, get us into our first headline. Well, I'm going to jump into something here about Xbox. We've got a few things about Xbox this week, but um, this kind of brought me back to many years ago, 2000, 2001, when Xbox opened up. We all went and we got the Xbox Live pack. It had the little headset in it and your headphone adapter. And if you didn't want to hear something, you just simply pulled the headphone adapter out. Well, as technology has improved, it's not that simple anymore. So we've had to resort to being able to report people and, you know, try to clean things up a little bit. So to make things life a little easier, Microsoft has announced a new reporting feature to improve online safety that allows you to do a voice recording. Now, the way this works is it's very similar to doing a capture, like when you can capture a screenshot or you can capture a short video to post online. It works the same way. You can capture the last 60 seconds of somebody's audio and you can submit that to Microsoft as a complaint of you know an issue that you had or maybe somebody said something inappropriate now you cannot download this audio snippet you cannot share it in any way you can't do anything with it at all which is good it keeps it from you know the issue from escalating maybe somebody posting something maybe somebody modifying something it will show in your files you can't do anything with it and I believe it's after 60 days 
it automatically deletes and you don't have to worry about it anymore. And this goes all the way back to Xbox 360 and backwards compatible titles as well. So it's across the board. Somebody's not being nice to you. Feel free to report them and get it cleaned up. Great. Get using uh, those features. People help make Xbox better. Uh, I'm going to jump into uh, a trend that we're seeing, which is uh, ChatGPT getting uh, fewer uh, calls uh, based on people's usage. Uh, based on a recent report published by SimilarWeb, uh, which is a marketing and uh, an intelligence firm, uh, seems like the AI chatbot uh, from uh, ChatGPT has gotten less users uh, and it reported its first declines uh, as of June, 2023. So we don't have uh, the measure up till today in July, but last month we saw a decline, uh, which is kind of, it's just contrary to what we've seen uh, since November where there's been a steady incline. And I think it may have peaked at the, towards the end of March and with May reporting uh, fewer usage, but not necessarily a decline, maybe a stabilization, but July, uh, June has posted its first decline of nearly 10%. Uh, visits to uh, ChatGPT's website both uh, would combine both uh, mobile and desktop visits. Uh, moreover, the report demonstrates a consistent decrease in visitor engagement per visit to the ChatGPT website, indicating a reduction in the time spent uh, in, by individuals on the site. In the United States alone, there was a significant downward trend with a decline of about 10.3% on a monthly basis. Moreover, the count of distinct individuals visiting ChatGPT experienced a decrease of 5.7 compared to the previous month. Uh, in terms of popularity as AI-driven chatbots perform, OpenAI's chatbot remains unrivaled, even outperforming Microsoft's Bing chat. Uh, and I believe that is just because it's more accessible. Uh, interestingly enough, I mean, it's baked into Edge, so you would have thought there would have been a, a boon for Microsoft. But again, Microsoft wins either way because, uh, because of their $10 billion deal partnership with OpenAI, uh, whatever revenue OpenAI gets from all of these visits or whatnot and from licensing and from other applications using it, Microsoft makes that money back uh, until I guess it's made whole by its deal. So Microsoft wins either way. Uh, but I just wanted to ask you real quick before we move on to our next headline, what do you see? Do you see this as maybe the fizzling out of OpenAI or chat, uh, I guess, prompts or whatnot? I don't see it necessarily as fizzling out. I think you know, as with anything, there was the boom of, hey, look, this is something new. This is something popular. Let's go see what it can do. I think, you know, we went through that. And now I think we're going to start seeing it baked into things. I'm seeing it at, doing things on the developer side. I saw two new products just this week that now have chat GPT baked into the product. I think what we're going to start seeing is baked in integrations, kind of like your Siri and your Alexas and your Hey Googles and all that, all that good stuff. That's what we're going to see. And I think we're going to see a lot less of people going to a website and just prompting for a question. I think, you know, it goes back to what we said in the beginning, when we first started talking about this early in the year, People's search habits are going to be hard to change. We have searched the same way for well over a decade. So sure, chat GPT, Bing chats over there if you need it. I think people are still largely searching the same way after the initial, hey, this is a new toy. So I think now we're going to move more toward baked integrations and seeing Baked in the products, and that's where you're going to see your usage come from. 
Yeah, I agree with you. I also uh, want to second that at notion of searching. Uh, I think what we're perhaps seeing is the conflation of search and chat. Uh, we still, you know, people went to, you know, see what it was. And now that they know that it's used for perhaps uh, long form information gathering versus quick searches, they are delineating that. They are now reserving those prompts to say, hey, write me up a resume or, you know, show me a meal plan for trying to lose weight in 30 days only on a vegan diet. Stuff like that is getting less usage because people figured it out versus saying like, who was the actress in Hunger Games and using that as a chat prompt. So uh, to your point, I think people are finally figuring out how to use these things and we'll see perhaps uh, more focused use of those uh, smaller uh, calls for the chat prompt. But with that being said, let's move on to our next headline, shall we? All right, let's go back to Windows here. I think this is, I, I kind of have a few mixed feelings over this as well. Microsoft is looking at launching affordable Windows 365 cloud bundles for Windows in the cloud. Now this aligns with, with kind of what came out during the FTC hearing that we knew this was coming. And what Microsoft wants to do here is offer a version of Windows 365 for consumers that is 100% in the cloud. You would sign up for the service. You would pay for a service that would lead you down the road of Microsoft maintains it, Microsoft looks after it, you just log in, use your instance and pay your bill. Now we have discussed, you know, in, in previous episodes how we kind of thought this was coming and there will be a package of, you know, something 365 that includes all of your Microsoft product memberships and this is kind of the start to that now Greenman will throw something out to you here this is a good idea for a lot of people i can see where people would use this but i see two concerns i see one there will be that privacy concern i think because your data will automatically be in microsoft cloud and two there's still that assumption that everybody has sufficient internet access to be able to use a Windows Cloud PC. And I can tell you from looking out my window and out here in rural America, that's just not the case. So I think there'll still be a large group of people that can't access this. Yeah, uh, you're absolutely correct. Uh, this is for people with a bit of a bit more PC privilege than mm -hmm. than others, to put it nicely. And I, I don't disagree with you. It is a long term play. Uh, you know, hopefully 25 years from now, this conversation of Internet rural usage will have been put to rest. We'll see how our governments uh, here in the US and across the world deal with all of that. Because again, this is the idea, you know, we, we met uh, smartphone saturation eventually, uh, but early on, you know, smartphones were a privilege, I guess in some parts still, but for the most part a privilege for most people, you know, you had your flip phones, things like that until uh, we had enough uh, lines laid down, enough coverage, enough satellites up to provide a lot of people across the world with enough uh, access to uh, in, uh, internet and things like that, roaming internet or whatnot. Uh, so yes, to your first point, to your second point, for anybody who uses a smartphone that stores any type of photos, data, um, you know, who uses Chrome, who uses, I mean, there are a myriad of ways that mm -hmm. personal information has been stored on the cloud for a lot of people. now. 
you know, you're everyone's free to pick and choose their battles, what they want to fight over, what they find as their personal limits. Um, but I mean, it depends on the cost savings. I think at the end of the day, two things come up for most people when it comes when the when privacy butts up against it, it's cost and accessibility. How how easy is it for me to to access something? And uh, how much does it cost? And once those barriers for those two things have been lowered enough, privacy just goes flowing right through to our advertisers, advertisers like we were just giving it away. We did the same thing with Gmail. We do the same thing with OneDrive. We do the same thing parts of, with parts of Windows, with uh, the iPhone. I mean, it is just, if it's easy for us to access and it doesn't cost very much, people tend to look the other way for privacy. Uh, so, I mean, that's just the nature of, of the internet and software and services in 2023. I agree. You know, I think at times, privacy needs to be a concern. I mean, I, I'm going I'm to say, hey, if you're going to buy a cloud PC and you're going to start looking up how to break into a house on your cloud PC, you know, that that's kind of, you know, you're not so hey, hey, innocent yeah. until proven guilty. I can yeah. look it up. <laughs> you, you know, that, that's kind of maybe your not so smart decision. So, you know, I think, you know, most people are going to use common sense. And if you've got to look up something, maybe that you don't want to be tracked or maybe might be a little outside of the box, maybe you need to find another device other than your cloud PC. Yeah, go get yourself one of those uh, unconnected Windows 8 machines from somewhere and see what happens that or uh go back to windows 95 on one of what was it what um somebody had done an emulator a couple weeks ago on one of those um ally pcs where you could run windows 95 so maybe that's what they would need to go back to <laughs> and then you can hide all your burglary facts on that pc you're, you're all set <laughs> that'll be your thieving computer what's uh i'll follow you with our next update our headline which is about windows 11 uh and i think we mentioned at the top that uh, windows 11 update kb5028185 is plagued by performance and connectivity issues at least if you're someone who lives on reddit or in the small world of the internet uh it is and again i'm not to diminish anybody who's having issues with this but uh we don't know what the wider margin of users have to say about this. But after installing the update, users have reported significant performance slowdowns and unstable internet connections. Despite the update, uh, the persistent sluggish SSD problems remains unsolved uh, as of this conversation we're having right now. Uh, there have been reports that Fluent 3D emojis could come uh, soon to Windows 11 uh, with uh, this as well. Uh, you know, I think it made way for this, what was it, an update yesterday or a day before? Uh, but regardless of the features, this is what people are complaining about. Redditors have expressed frustration citing slower PC speeds and longer boots and restart times, uh, with one user mentioning that a welcome uh, screen delayed of 17 seconds compared to the, you know, Microsoft's working on five seconds below. So 17 is kind of long. And uh, again, this is an update that's supposed to help improve performance, and it seems to be doing the opposite. The second major issue resolves around dis uh, disrupted internet connectivity. And I've actually experienced that personally on my PC where I I'm doing to. something and all of a sudden uh, I will get the uh, internet connection is broken in my browser and then it, it'll it'll come back, but it takes it a, a few seconds and it does throw off my timing and my productivity. Uh, a third annoyance reported is assistance trays malfunctioning Windows uh, Windows security icon. Clicking on, clicking on it does not yield any response. So if you're you know trying to see uh, if you uh, have any malware or anything like that, just doing a random check, you don't get any access to that until you go into the uh, settings menu and then 
then do it manually from there. So Microsoft needs to fix some of the responses in the taskbar itself. Uh, now, fortunately, because it's the Reddit community, they've already come up with a solution. Now, and you'll be uh, asked to use caution if you're going to apply this. Some users have suggested disabling core isolation memory integrity. That already sounds complicated and I'm not touching it. I'll just wait for the next update, hopefully next Tuesday, and it'll work itself out. Uh, but uh, if, you're, if you are adventurous this weekend or have a spare PC that you're testing this on, uh, it has been claimed that this feature is responsible for system lag and crashes. To disable memory integrity, search for core isolation, access the panel and turn off the slider, then reboot. This might resolve performance and internet issues, but turning off the security feature leaves you vulnerable to uh, potential exploits. And one of my headlines later on about Chinese hackers may give you a bit of caution. <laughs> what do you have to say? What are your last words in this headline? Well, I had the same problem with a PC that we had, that we have in, for, excuse me, <clears throat> excuse me folks, that we have in for review. I had done a Windows refresh on it uh, yesterday. And as it was moving through the reinstall of everything, when it got to that update, the Wi-Fi went out and I believe you mentioned in there the SSD got slow. I noticed the machine got really slow. It wasn't unusable. It was just not its normal response itself. So what I did was I started the process over and did not install that update. So that kind of confirmed to me that that was the issue. I am familiar with where you're talking about the workaround is that you saw with Reddit. Um, wouldn't do it like you. I think I'm just going to wait till next Tuesday to see if Microsoft throws out the fix. Hopefully they're working on it, folks. Uh, we are, again, through the holidays, so everyone should be back in the office or whatever they're calling an office these days. Uh, what's your next headline? I'm going to take a jump to something that uh, we just put on the website that I think will get people's attention because I didn't know it was coming. Um, a company by the name of Antstream Arcade coming July 21st, so you're going to see that next week. What they have is the first cloud gaming service that is not branded or marketed by Xbox that will be running what? on... Yeah that will be running on the Xbox console. That's what really got my attention when I saw what it was going to be. Now, what this is, for all you nostalgia folks out there, it's supposed to be over 1300 old-fashioned, and when I say old-fashioned, Commodore 64, Atari 2600, Atari 7800, it does go as far as Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Game Boy, PlayStation. Those nostalgia games are going to be in there. There's quite a list with there being 1,300 games. You get you can get a subscription for a year for $29.99 or for right now a lifetime subscription. I say only because if you think about it, it might not be that bad. $79.99. Right now there's there's not a free trial offer, but I know this was. You know, when, when I saw this to, to write about it today, I had not heard about this, and it really got my attention. One, nostalgia games, everybody loves those, but two, the fact that Microsoft is allowing somebody else's cloud service to run on the Xbox. That might be a big deal. Take that, FTC. We'll see how that works out for us. Well, that's kind of what that's kind of <laughs> what I was thinking there. I think... Um, you know, this is being released and that's in the back of somebody's head somewhere. I 
cannot uh, argue with that. Uh, argue with on that one. And I'm actually looking forward to looking through the list of games because, uh, like you said, this spans decades. Uh, and I played decades of old games. I was actually I felt better. Like I was better at decades old games. I'm playing Grand Theft Auto again, and I'm reminded how poorly I am at that game. So uh, I'm looking forward to going backwards in time when it comes to game playing. Yeah, that's something I'm looking forward to. I'm gonna admit I'm going to as soon as the podcast is over. I think I'm gonna have to authorize a twenty nine ninety nine charge yeah. just just <laughs> to see what this is all about. Because like I said, there's there's not a list of games yet that I have seen that is a complete list. But if you're a nostalgia gamer, say age thirty or better, there's gonna be a lot of things in there that you're going to recognize from what I have seen charge it uh i'm gonna go with our last one which is uh less fun uh but hopefully you'll follow up with something funner than this but microsoft says chinese hackers breached email accounts of u.s government agencies uh, in a recent disclosure microsoft revealed that chinese hackers have successfully gained access to the email uh, accounts of approximately 25 organizations not people organizations this is bad including u.s government agencies um microsoft referred to the threat actor behind the incident as storm-0558 an adversary uh, based in China with the primary focus of, on espionage and gaining intelligence through unauthorized access to email systems. The company shared these details in a blog post that we wrote about on the website, so uh, go visit that uh, right up and get more details on it. Um, the hackers uh, have also compromised the consumer accounts of individuals likely associated with the affiliate uh, affected organizations. So if you perhaps work at it uh, and you are someone who combines work emails and personal emails, you may be compromised. So if you're listening, uh, go and talk to your IT, see what they if they have any solutions beyond what Microsoft's already doing. Prior to disclosing these details publicly, Microsoft has been actively working alongside the affected customers, assuring that they receive timely notif- uh, notifications and support. To be fair, Chinese officials swiftly dismissed the report, denouncing it as far-fetched and unprofessional. The country's foreign ministry spokesman went as far as accusing uh, U.S. cybersecurity firms of collaborating with the government in a smear campaign against other nations. Uh, As of to date, we don't have a resolution. Uh, We just have Microsoft uh, versus China uh, cybersecurity, and it's he said, she said. But uh, I'm assuming uh, a lot of these intelligence agencies and and government uh, agents agencies and uh, affected individuals who work there perhaps uh, probably can confirm these so uh, we'll see where this uh, resolves if there's a resolution at all or becomes uh, uh, this relationship between uh, Chinese cybersecurity firms and Microsoft I think hacking is just becoming everyday news at this point I mean it kind of goes back to you know, that's why I mentioned it with cloud, you know, with the cloud PC discussion we were just having, you know, hacking right now for various reasons, you know, some that are not tech related. Let's let's be honest about it. People are looking around. People are trying to get in places that they shouldn't. And I don't think any country, any organization or any group necessarily is going to come up and say, yeah, we hacked into that, and, you know, put themselves at risk or put any you know, business relationships or even a, you know, domestic relationship between countries at risk. I think it's just something we're having to learn to deal with. And when it happens, it makes news. That's just like you said, when we sign on to the Internet, we agree to give away certain amounts of privacy and information. Well, when you sign on the Internet, hacking is part of it, whether you 
run a website, you have email, you just surf. When you get online, it's always a possibility. Yeah. Um, not to sound nihilistic uh, for this podcast, from I would assume I'll speak from both our behalfs. Just be careful with what you do, where you yes. go. Uh, who you choose to spend your time and what platform you choose to spend your time on. Uh, there are ways to mitigate certain things, uh, definitely. So we are not saying that all is lost and just put your credit card in the camera and let everyone have at it. We are just saying, uh, be careful, but uh, there's always a risk. That's right. Um, you want to jump on to the main headline or you want to hit yes, off another Yes, let's one? get on with it, talking about risk. Uh, there is a risk that Microsoft may not get uh activision but we are in the i guess last hours of this uh potential threat uh mm -hmm. but we'll start all the way at the beginning back about a week or so uh where things the tide had kind of changed for microsoft uh microsoft uh i believe coming out of the holiday weekend wasn't it uh wednesday or something like that or yes. thursday um, got news that uh, the judge uh, in their case basically said uh, she doesn't see a reason to provide the FTC with a preliminary injunction. This was a big fight that we had kind of ended our last podcast on. Uh, we pick up with the judge saying no. And now the FTC was left to kind of say, all right, well, we're going to appeal your no and figure out a way to continue to try and stop this. Uh, after a failed bid uh, by the FTC, the CMA, uh, uh, the UK's uh, Competitions Markets Authorities, actually came to the table uh, looking for negotiating uh, a deal. They basically said, you know what, you guys have an appeal already with us and our decision when we said initially no, but we are willing to put that aside, put the appeals process on hold and talk, you know, keep talking. Let's figure out away from no to maybe to potentially yes. So Microsoft basically was allowed in, in a span of, I don't know, about 12 hours. I think both stories kind of broke between each other to almost forge through with the deal because the CMA was walking back from their no. The FTC lost its preliminary injunction, which left a window of opportunity for Microsoft to say, hey, you know what? If, if there is smooth sailing going forward, if neither one of you can stop us in the U.S. side, and the U.K. is willing to negotiate, we can make we can close the deal. But I think their deadline is next Monday, or I believe so. So, or sometime next week. Uh, so and this is again what the FTC is trying to stop. As of today, the FTC filed their final uh, in, uh, appeal for it uh, again, an emergency injunction. Uh, and I will kind of catch us up on some of the things that have been happening in the last. Uh, I don't know. 48 hours. But before I get into those details, what are your thoughts about where Microsoft sits as of today, this Friday, uh, going into potentially closing this deal next week? Well, I was talking to somebody about it this morning and what they said to me was interesting. I think if somebody at Microsoft is sitting there with the checkbook on one side and they're watching the clock on the other side and when the clock strikes midnight, they're ready to pass that check along and get this over with. I think that's kind of where we are with it. Um, I don't think the FTC is going to get what they're looking for here. I think, you know, the judge is correct. Something the judge said, and you may be getting ready to touch on this, was that this whole trial or hearing thing, whatever you would like to call it, was not Microsoft versus Sony. It was not Microsoft versus anybody necessarily. It was about the consumer. 
and the judge did not see where the consumer would be harmed necessarily by this merger going forward. It had nothing to do with as much as everybody wanted to make it about Call of Duty and even we talked about it extensively here, that's not what it was about. And I think the judge kind of saw that and I think we're going to go down a road of this goes through. I saw something yesterday, you may have saw it as well, where Activision Blizzard comes off of NASDAQ next week and they said somebody has probably told somebody what the ending of this is likely to be for that move to take place because that is preparation for the formal announcement. Yeah, uh, agreed. Uh, and again, just to make things clear so that you uh, do not embarrass yourself at a dinner party tonight, uh, this was about a preliminary injunction. This has, uh, again, very little to do with the final outcome of an anti-competitive uh suit this was basically right. to stop microsoft from closing the deal next week they would still need to go to the ftc and figure out ways to uh either divest activision after microsoft closes the deal so microsoft could basically buy activision spin it off as its own business buy something else call it something else call it you know ma365 whatever they want to call it but they would have bought the company and have to and then be you know with a ftc order spin it off into something else uh but what the injunction was was to stop it from even getting to that point so this story is far from over uh but with that being said let's hear what the cma had to say on their side and where they're at with this deal quote after today's court decision and mind you this was last week so we're just catching you guys up after today's court decision in the u.s our focus now turns to the uk well while we ultimately disagree with the cma's concerns this is the cta speaking uh we are considering how the transaction might be modified in order to address those concerns in a way that is acceptable to the cma in order to prioritize work on these proposals microsoft and activision have agreed with the cma that a state of litigation in the uk would be the would be in the public's interest and the parties have made a joint submission to the competition's appeals tribunal to this effect so again uh, the CMA still is able to hold its uh, position of, we think this is a bad idea, but, and they haven't lost an appeal, so they still have their spotless record on that, but they are willing to say, you know, let's take some time to hammer out some details. Let's figure out what the EU saw in this deal that we could perhaps maybe get in our version of this deal. So uh, this is, that's a big uh weight off of Microsoft's shoulders in that regard. And I believe Brett Smith had a joint statement. He didn't really backtrack his whole, the UK's close for business, but he did uh, seem a lot more pleased with this. Uh, our friend, uh, Florian Muller, who's been tracking this meticulously on Twitter, and I suggest any of you who are interested in keeping up with the history of this, go check his Twitter thread, uh, has uh, kind of a breakdown of what's been happening um, with the FTC's argument. Uh, he mentions one that the CAT is a winner here, if not for the, uh, their, their expedited case scheduling and the rejection of the CMA's motion, uh, which they, again, they were trying to stall to October uh, to push back the hearing. Uh, it's uncertain whether or not Microsoft and the CMA would have even found common ground because they would have just waited for the FTC to say no, and then that would probably have been the end of this whole deal. But the CAT stood its ground and said, no, we're not going to delay this. We're going to, you know, expedite this and see what the, you know, uh, what our decision is and ultimately the CMA had to say all right all right slow down slow down let's talk this through uh now the FTC filed in the like the last I believe this morning which gives or it may, it may have been late last night which gives the uh appeals team uh, that they're filing with this about 
12 hours to figure this out because they I think they close it around seven o'clock Eastern. Uh, so they'll have to have a decision by then. But what they filed were a long list of arguments, many of which don't really hold water. And this is why Florian, who's a patent lawyer, believes that, you know, this secondary appeal will also lose. One of the arguments that they state is that the FTC says, as it already did before in the San Francisco hearing, that Microsoft's deal with NVIDIA, Boosteroid, etc., all of those people uh, that it's signed 10 year deals with, including Nintendo, and, and it's offered to Sony should be ignored. I don't know, you know, on what basis or what grounds. That's one of their arguments. Another argument says that Microsoft uh, engaged in partial foreclosures with respect to Zenimax games by making sure those games would be run best on Microsoft's platform. Another wild accusation uh, with very little evidence to it. The FTC says the court improperly assigned the FTC the burden of producing a smoking gun document despite their initial opposition to the deal. So again, if they were the ones to say, we don't agree with this, you have to explain why. Um, another argument with Microsoft and Activision Blizzard should have had the burden to uh, point to uh, beneficial economic e uh, effects. So they're basically saying that when we told them no, Microsoft should have said why this is a benefit versus you were incorrect in your assumption, which is, I believe, what Microsoft's lawyers basically did. They just kept point poking holes in every accusation that the FTC offered. Uh, one of the last ones was the UK, uh, the FTC believed the UK announcement of delaying the appeals as an art, one to use as an argument saying that in the US they could wait as well. Uh, but the UK's announcement was made because they obviously had potential way of going forward versus the FTC, which is just saying no and trying to buy a bunch of time from a lot of people. Uh, George Corley, uh, Corley stands by her decision because again, they appealed to her first. She said, no, what I did was, you know, correct. Uh, and that they should have, you know, she basically summed up in her decision that they should have gotten their act together, had brought a better case, and they did not. Uh, the TOR uh, only has about 27 hours, and this is, again, I guess this is yesterday when they filed this. Uh, and the TOR is basically the Ninth Circuit in the United States court, uh, which is reviewing this. Now, they could unexpectedly jeopardize the deal. Uh, it wouldn't be a surprise, but it it can be done, and this would mean that Microsoft would take this whole thing up to the Supreme Court if necessary. Again, I don't know if they want to do that or if Activision is even interested in being in front of the Supreme Court uh, or how long that timeline would be. But unless the Ninth Circuit, Ninth Circuit makes an unusual and unwarranted decision today, basically saying, yeah, we'll, we'll grant this random injunction again, uh, the deal will presumably close prior to the UK's case management conference, which is scheduled for, I believe, August. So again, with all things considered, Microsoft could potentially close the deal early next week uh, and work out its decision with um, the CMA and figure out, you know, maybe they'll do something separate for those two things. And like I said, uh, when it does come time for uh, Microsoft and the FTC to meet again, I believe in August, they can work out a deal again where Microsoft has to divest its new purchased interest. But with the deadline, you know, for next week means is that Microsoft will not have to just shell out a random $3 billion because they couldn't uh, get it signed. So those are your, your D details uh, for the deal up until 2.31 on a Friday afternoon. I think we're approaching the end here. You know, like I was saying before you, you know, explained all the details. And I think the, the end is in front of us. Um, I have a to be fair, I haven't followed all the details as closely as you have, but I have followed the main points pretty closely. And I just don't, I would be surprised if the decision was reversed or any anybody tried to hold up what the FTC was doing at this point. 
I think everybody goes home and by the time they go to bed tonight, you pretty much know that Activision and Blizzard is going to be a part of Microsoft. And legally, probably within the next 30 days, everything yeah. is closed up and done. And I agree with you. Uh, and sadly, um, Lena Khan, who is the chair of the FTC, took a grilling uh, from con- people in Congress, uh, not necessarily about any of the details from this deal. I mean, it was part of uh, the larger discussion. She took a beating from, you know, uh, politicized uh, elected officials about her in effect, in effect, I don't know what the word is I'm saying, yeah, when she's lost a lot of cases that she's brought forward. She, her intentions are in the right uh, place. I just believe that her case uh, from some of the lawyers, at least particularly in this one that pertains to Microsoft, because that's what we're talking about, didn't do her justice. Uh, they could have talked about cloud gaming. They could have talked about um, uh, mergers and, and potential things that they would like to see done versus taking up a lot of what I believe were Sony talking points, which were exclusivity and specifically about one to two titles, uh, which again is also kind of a detriment to Activision's library, which is large, which is very popular. Uh, but if we're going forward, the idea is for Microsoft to make money streaming, make money in the cloud, make money on services, software and services, and Game Pass itself. There were things there. There were chunks of details and information that the lawyers could have dug into had they cared more about this case to you get some more concessions out of Microsoft and this merger. I don't know if they were necessarily going to block it because, again, Microsoft's market position is kind of in the sweet spot, kind of where my, uh, Apple also kind of operates, where it's, we're big, but we're not as big as you think we are in these specific markets. Mm-hmm. And, you know, contrary to your own perception of the, of the business, they can still wiggle around that. They're second in cloud, they're third or fourth, depending on what uh, factors you put into gaming, but they're never first. So the idea of it being anti-competitive is not the issue. How to prevent them from ever getting there, that would have needed some foresight from the lawyers. And I believe that they were too busy fighting stuff from the past. So uh, hopefully this doesn't tarnish Khan's, you know, uh, idea of, you know, tackling big acquisitions and questioning larger mergers. But uh, from what we saw yesterday in Congress, it didn't look good. No, it didn't. And to me, the, the you know, now that we've kind of approaching whichever way the end of this is going to be, it felt like to me the whole time that the FTC was kind of Sony's representatives, kind of like you were saying there. That's the way it felt to me, looking at it as both a journalist and a consumer, is the FTC is representing Sony and Sony's issues. And what I would have liked to have heard if there were any real issues to be had, like, okay, we want Xbox to spin off cloud gaming into another division. We want them to sell it. We want them to do something, you know, with cloud. We want them to do something with, you know, some of the other studios that they have. Okay, they need to spin those off into, you know, some business change that would show that we're, we're wanting to take away Microsoft's, quote, dominance that we're trying to say that they have. I didn't see that anywhere unless I, I missed it or was asleep that day. I didn't see that anywhere in the FTC argument, you know, anything of that type. No, no, you're you're right. And like I said, to that point, uh, if the idea was to keep them, prevent them from becoming a monopoly, then yes, you perhaps make them uh, spin up a whole new 
biz, uh, gaming server side business mm -hmm. where they can't commingle Azure and uh, Xbox and, and, you know, boost their numbers that way and, and gain customers through these kind of mergers and potentially, you know, like we said, this whole idea of bundling, you know, Microsoft 365 uh, uh, licenses that includes, so, you know, a consumer version and an enterprise version, even though they're saving costs because they combine the two, you know, they would need to divest. The, and these are just from people who aren't in business, who aren't lawyers. These are just some of the ideas that I think they could have presented versus Again, I, and I'm not saying that they were intentionally trying to be Sony's talking points. They may have just used them because they were the most readily available and pertained to the opposition that they were trying to assert. Uh, but, you know, with that being said, let's just hope that this does come to conclusion because I'm tired of talking about this. I'm tired yes. of I'd like to move on to something new that Microsoft is working on that we can discuss. Hopefully it'll be hardware. Maybe, you know, after the end of all of this by July, at the end of this month, we can start talking about rumors of surface hardware, things that, you know, really sort of affect us in our pocketbooks in larger purchases uh, versus Game Pass, which we'll, we'll figure out and sort probably this holiday season one way or another. But uh, with that being said, we want to thank everybody for joining us, listening to us ramble for another 40 or so minutes. I uh, want to uh, thank everyone uh, personally, and I'll, you can find me online at a bunch of different places. First off, but where can people find you? David PAJ1978 hanging out on the Twitter. Yeah, uh, you can find me at Mindhead1 on Twitter. Uh, I'm actually just my name, Kareem Anderson, on uh, Threads, if you were going to be moving over to there. I'm not a Mastodon. I tried it. I got confusing. I never got an invite to Blue Sky, so I guess I'll be on Threads if you uh, want to come meet me there. I've not been over there yet, so I'll have to go over there and check that out. Uh, yeah, we're opening up our... Uh, website to you know posting on there as well so again if you are on threads if you have me on instagram uh our post will be showing up there if you uh want to just get away from twitter altogether uh but again if not you know where to find us at our old places and thanks again and have a great weekend have a good weekend folks see you next week